0: Well, Merry Christmas Eve to all of you. This is definitely not what we had planned. I would like everything in life, especially right now. All plans have to be held loosely. And even though circumstances really gave us no choice, I still feel like I need to apologize to you. I told my wife and friends that I hadn't looked this forward to a Christmas Eve gathering possibly ever. And a lot of that is because of all the tension and fatigue and angst that we've all been inundated with for most of 2020. And I and our team really wanted to create an in-person gathering, an escape, and an experience from all of that that truly gave us all a moment to take our eyes and minds off everything going on around us and to focus on God-given hope and healing as we move towards 2021. But sometimes I forget that we have a part and it's good to make plans, but in the big picture, a good and knowing, trustworthy, all-powerful God has something bigger and better that he's doing. And sometimes we get to make and carry out our well-laid plans, and other times he intercedes or life intercedes, and we just simply adapt and adjust and go along for the ride as he guides and grows us. So I'm thankful for a time where we can at least connect and gather in a format like this. And though we've come to take it for granted, it's kind of a miracle, right? I mean, years ago, there was a comedian talking about when people would complain about their experience flying from one destination to another on an airplane, And he'd be like, yeah, but did you fly? Did you sit in a seat, in a cushioned chair, in a climate-controlled environment, and with no effort on your part, take off and fly like a bird to another place, hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away in just a few hours, and you're complaining? And I feel like this is something like that. Though we can't gather physically, here we are, able to gather and connect and talk about and be reminded of the biggest thing to happen on this planet that connects and impacts us all now like most of you I like christmas and sometimes during the season some goofy things happen that with my sense of humor I just laugh now for example about 10 years ago right outside the lincoln tunnel in new jersey there was a billboard war it began with this big giant billboard being placed right outside the exit of the tunnel that read you know it's a myth this season Celebrate Reason. It was put up there by the American Atheist. I love the byline, reasonable since 1963, AmericanAtheist.org. And I I just think they were probably reasonable before that. But the great thing about the U.S. is that we have the freedom to just do this kind of stuff. And as you would expect, uh, there was a group of Christians in New Jersey. They weren't having it. They weren't just going to stand by and let this go unchecked. So they retaliated. They retaliated with their own billboard right across the street from this one. And it said this, you know it's real. (laughs) This season, celebrate Jesus. So people are coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel every morning during the whole Christmas season. It's like, oh, it's a myth. Oh, it's real. Oh, it's a myth. It's real. It's just like, and unfortunately, this is just a snapshot of America 10 years later in 2020, right? Where we've drawn all kinds of lines and now we have social media to battle back and forth on with algorithms that feed and fuel and divisiveness. And so I thought tonight, of all nights, would be the perfect time to ask an uncomfortable question, and that question is this, with Christmas, is it all really true? Is all this really true? Now, I know that doesn't seem very Christmassy, and yet, especially in 2020, I think it is, and I promise we'll get to the Christmassy part, but I'm asking it tonight because at some point in all our lives, we face the question or a time of wondering, is all this really true? Some of you, especially right now, you're asking and and you're needing a little reassurance. And and I know you don't admit that during the season, especially Christmas Eve when your house is decorated with lights and a tree, especially those of you that have a sweet baby Jesus, you know, an ornament or a nativity scene, a ceramic or a plastic baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds and animals. And there are all these nativity scenes and Uh, Some of them, they're in your neighborhoods and they're outside churches in our city. But if ever there was a time of year to just stop and go, okay, time out for just a second. Did this really happen? I think that time to ask is now. Because some of you connected to us in New Life, you you don't believe or you don't believe it yet. Or you pretend to believe because you really enjoy being invited to your family's house for Christmas uh, and you don't want to start drama. This like this isn't the optimal time of year to go. You know, Mom. I've been thinking about this whole Christmas thing, and I think I'm with the American atheist, reasonable since 1963. I I think it's a myth. But you don't do that because you don't want to be written out of the will, and if nothing else, you want to keep the peace at this time of year. But if you were being completely honest, you'd say, "Come on, angels, talking to shepherds. I mean, really, wise men." Following a star, can you follow a star? I mean, yeah, we just had this whole thing on the news and social media a few nights ago with planets, but how wise are you if you're trying to follow a star? And and a virgin birth? I mean, we've become so accustomed to that, a virgin birth, born of a virgin. Seriously, mom, dad, I, I promise, I didn't sleep with anyone, it just happened. But see, there's so much momentum around Christmas that we never really stop to think about that. Like, why is this story even in the Bible? You don't even need this story. What do we learn from it? You know, Jesus was born of a virgin. Therefore, I should go out and do what? Like, I have no idea what to do with that information. There's not any real application. Now, some people would say that, well, the story of the virgin birth is important because it gives credibility to everything else he taught. But I think the resurrection pretty much does that. Because if you can predict and pull off your own death and resurrection before hundreds of witnesses, like I don't even really care who your dad was or wasn't. Whatever you have to say, I'm just going to listen to because that's a huge deal. And I promise, I, I, I'm not being sacrilegious. But I don't even know that we need the virgin birth story because honestly, it's, it's so difficult to believe or even prove. And it's so difficult to get our arms around. And if you're like a very rational person, it kind of discredits the rest of the story, right? I mean, if you have to believe the virgin birth and have to believe that angels spoke and have to believe that ancient ancient Eastern philosophers followed a star, if you have to believe all that in order to embrace the rest of the Jesus story, it can be kind of a game stopper, right? I mean, just a little bit. And plus, if you've studied history, You know, it wasn't unusual for things to supposedly have happened in the heavens when famous people were born. When Julius Caesar was born, there are stories about stars and Jupiter and Mars lining up. And there are all these stories that float around about significant famous people and when they were born and uh, things that happened in the heavens. So for there to be this story that during the birth of Jesus, there was this bright star and angels spoke, this just kind of goes along with what happens with famous people. So, That's not unusual, and I doubt you believe that stuff happened when Julius Caesar was born, so why in the world would you believe it happened when Jesus was born? Well, one little caveat about Julius Caesar and all those other famous people for whom these stories popped up, those stories didn't generally surface until long, long after everyone around them during the time of their birth had died, and long after it became evident that these would be people of historic significance. However, in Jesus's case, one thing that separates him from every other famous person for whom things like this were written about is that the story of Jesus's birth and the miracles surrounding it surfaced while all his contemporaries were still alive to dispute it. And long before anybody knew that he was going to be of any historical significance. But beyond that, if you actually stop and think about it, it's still very mythical and difficult for some of us to believe. And some of you have never really stopped to think about it because you've been taught this since you were a child. Others of you, you're glad that a preacher has finally said what you've thought. And and I want you to know, I, I get it. Because through just through the lens of reason, this is a very difficult story to accept. And the reality is it may keep you from ever investigating the other parts of the New Testament because you feel if you have to embrace all this, like I said, then it can be kind of hard to go forward. So that's why the verses that we're going to look at tonight may be the most important verses in the entire New Testament for you. If you're a person that says, you know, it's okay, I'm willing to go along with the Santa Claus myth and the Jesus myth, I can just go with it. I'm an American. It's seasonal. My mom believed it. My mom's mom believed it. I went to mass growing up. I went to church growing up. I've got a nativity scene. I don't need it to be historical. I can just kind of embrace the warm, fuzzy feelings and the goodwill of the season. If that's your situation, then the verses that we're gonna look at tonight may be the most important verses in the New Testament for you. These may be the verses that God will use in your life to help strip away a myth aspect of Jesus and the mythical aspect of the New Testament. The traditional Christmas story is found in the book of Luke. We call it, a, uh, call it a book, but this thing that we call Luke is actually an ancient document written in the first century that was so important that people copied it and made copies of it one letter at a time, and they read it, and they passed it around. They got it everywhere that they could, and eventually this ancient document was collected with other ancient documents and became what we call the New Testament. And the interesting thing was Luke, we think, was a doctor. We're pretty sure he was, but Luke wasn't Jewish. So, he wasn't looking for a Messiah, and he certainly wasn't looking for a virgin born Messiah. In fact, you should know this none of the first century Jews were looking for a virgin born Messiah. In fact, if you said that you were virgin born, then you definitely were not the Messiah because you had to come from the lineage of David. So, the whole virgin birth thing, nobody was expecting or looking for that. So, Luke certainly wasn't looking for this. And yet, Luke embraced the resurrected Jesus as God's son. And thus the teachings and the story of the life of Jesus. And Luke had a friend named Theophilus, who was also a non-Jewish Christian, who was maybe like some of you. He kind of believed in general, but he wasn't so sure about the specifics. He lived in the first century during the time that the people who knew Jesus were still running around, the eyewitnesses of all that Jesus did and taught in the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he'd hear a story and then he'd say to Luke, Luke, I heard this story about Jesus. Did this really happen? And then later on, Luke, I heard this other story about Jesus, did this really happen? Like I keep hearing all these stories and I'm trying to make sense of them and get them into order. So Luke decided to sit down and write as he calls it, An orderly account of the life of Jesus. Now, see, that doesn't read like once upon a time, fairy tale or myth, right? And here's Luke's first words right out of the gate. Many. And this is so important. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled or have happened among us. Now, the thing that things that he's talking about are all the things surrounding the life of Jesus. Now This is so noteworthy, and we just skip past this. Luke, in the first century, before Jesus is a famous person, before the church had spread all over the place, Luke says, Theophilus, a lot of people, a lot of people are trying to get this story straight. A lot of people are trying to write an orderly account and to take all of these random stories and random miracles and random teachings and all these things that we've heard and to put them into some sort of chronological order and orderly account so that we can know with certainty what happened. So that's why we have Matthew. That's why we have Mark. It's why we have Luke. It's why we have John. And Luke would say there are many others as well which what we don't understand in 21st century Western society is that this level of unpaid documenting of any person's life was unheard of. Theophilus, there are all kinds of people, they're trying to capture this in writing and get it all straight. And I'm one of those. All of this before Jesus was famous or that the church had spread outside of the region. So he goes on. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled or have happened among us, just as they were handed down to us. And this is so important as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke says, Theophilus, here's the deal. This account that I'm putting together for you, this isn't third hand information. This isn't 200 years after the fact. He said, this is what happened based on eyewitness accounts of those who were there. We found out, find out later on that Luke knew Peter. He knew him well. Luke ended up, spend, he knew Paul. He spent a lot of time traveling with the Apostle Paul. Luke, Luke knew James, the brother of Jesus. And by the way, what would it take for your brother to convince you that he was God's son and your Lord? James became convinced not during the life of his brother Jesus, but after one thing seeing his brother tortured, executed, and then a few days later, seeing him alive. That was James, the brother of Jesus. Luke spent time with James. And if she were still alive, chances are Luke probably met and spent time with Mary, the mother of Jesus. He goes on. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning... I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In other words, uh, maybe like your knowledge of Jesus and the Bible, maybe it's like that of Theophilus. Maybe you just kind of know random stories, which is why reading through the book of Luke between now and the end of the year, just four chapters a day, could make all the difference for you. Because especially if you're someone that right now you're wrestling, uh, you need to know Christianity is not about belief and belief or having faith and faith or sending thoughts and prayers. The foundation of Christianity isn't some mythical feel-good story. The foundation of Christianity is based on historical events that actually took place. And our faith is not based simply on the teachings of somebody. Most faiths are. Our faith as Christians, as Jesus followers, It's founded on events in history, beginning with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke says, Theophilus, what has happened is so extraordinary. I have carefully investigated and I've documented because we dare not let any of these precious details slip away. See, that doesn't start off like once upon a time or long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, does it? It begins with a non-Jewish person who had embraced the life, the death, the resurrection, and teachings of Jesus during the time when all the eyewitnesses of the death and the resurrection of these people were still walking around. And Luke decided, I'm going to go all the way back to the very beginning. I'm going to tell you how this whole thing started. And what Luke gives us is not the story of Jesus, but the account of the birth and the life of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the person that he will conclude toward the end of his gospel is, in fact, the Son of God. Here's how Luke's story began.
1: In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored the lord is with you mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid mary you have found favor with god you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him jesus according to your word. Then the angel left.
2: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was to be the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph went down to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds in a field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests.
0: Peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The story of Christmas is our story. That we were born into a world created by God, but a world in which we are at odds with God. But then Jesus arrived to tell us that God so loved the world, that God so loved you, that he sent him, his one and only son, to pay the price and make the sacrifice that would offer us peace, the thing that we want the most in this life and the next. So that is what we celebrate. At Christmas. For some of you, 2020 has been okay. Uh, tonight, you're doing about as well as you were a year ago, this time last year. However, for most of us, 2020 has been challenging at best and brutal at worst. Most of you, honestly, you're just tired. You're just so tired, your mind, your spirit. Some of you are just fatigued to the level of your soul. And so we wanted to end tonight with a blessing. We were going to do this live with a full band and subwoofers and lighting, and to have the band simply sing an ancient blessing over you as we wrap up 2020 and look hopeful to a better 2021. And our plan will be to have this song the first Sunday in person, the first Sunday in January, God willing. It's based on the final verses of an ancient Hebrew text called Numbers, and the song is simply called The Blessing. And since we can't sing it to you tonight, and no, I'm not about to try. I'd just like to speak it over you on your behalf. And it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you, because He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and in your going, in your weeping, and your rejoicing, remember, He is for you. He is for you. And then it wraps with a word that you've heard a million times, but maybe you never knew the meaning of it. It's the word Amen. It's derived from the Hebrew Amen, which means certainty or truth or verily. It means it is so or so be it. And so, my prayer is that this blessing, that God would be with you and make his face shine on you and that you would feel it and know it. May it be so. So be it. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for everyone listening to my voice. Because for most, if not all, this has been a very challenging time. And right now, things don't feel any easier and we feel tired. And I pray that everyone listening to my voice would feel your hope, would feel your strength, would feel your peace and your encouragement as they move to the end of this year and into a new year. And God, again, that you would just reaffirm in the hearts and the minds of everyone listening to me that you are for them and that you are with them. And for those that have been struggling or struggling with doubt or wrestling to truly believe it's true, I pray God that you would really amp it up in their hearts and their minds, and that they, God, that they would just know it and that you would show up in unmistakable ways in their life and in their heart and in their mind. And God, I pray for all of us. I pray for our country and our world as we move forward into this new year. And I pray for our community and everyone that's connected to it that as we move into a new year, as we deal, contend with the ongoing challenges, as we deal not with the challenges of COVID, but with injustice and the struggles that our nation is facing, that God, that you, that your light would shine through us in our communities and in our world. Father, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, I pray that you have a great Christmas, a great end of the year. And my hope is that you will join us hopefully in person and if not in person, online. Uh, We have precautions in place. You can check those out online. But if for some reason they're not quite to the level that you feel you need or feel comfortable with, then please join us online for Sunday, January 3rd, our first message of the year as we start a series simply called Restart. If you're a guest with us, there's a link in the comments. Would love for you to just click that. Let us know that you're here, that you're checking us out. And uh, we'd love to answer any questions that you have and there's a link to our family page on Facebook that will make sure it'll make sure that you are fully aware of what's going on and what our plans are and keep you informed. But one way or another, I pray that you have a very merry Christmas and a great new year and our hope is to see you January 3rd. You have a great night.